Vedere classi di lingue. Resseo de classe de langue. Jitsu Gokyo Shitsu. Real language classrooms. On trandolier. Lettura. Imas. Reading. This week I'd like to do it differently. I've, I've had some feedback recently that having shorter podcasts is a better choice. So I'm going to go with a model where we're doing three groups of 10-minute podcasts. All three will be about reading. The first one is my very simple but I think really, really useful take on um, the three intersecting sets that create reading. The second one is going to be about the max reading building blocks and having a little bit of a look about how that works in language classrooms. And then the third one will be linking the literacy and language in the Victorian curriculum so that it makes it very explicit what seems to be obvious to all language teachers that literacy and language are absolutely side by side. So I see reading as a Venn diagram and it has three circles in my mind. One circle is the sound overlapping with the circle of shape and overlapping with the circle of meaning the convergence of those three circles is reading. So it is sound plus shape plus meaning. Let's just have a look for a second at two at the same time. If you have sound and meaning, then you've got oral language. We talk about speaking a language because it's the oral communication of that language that's the strongest interpersonal relationship and the first part that we need to get before we have a look at what that language might look like in shapes on a page. Let's have a look at sound and shape, just those two together. What we're talking about here really is phonics and this is where the reading side of language learning in your language is creating exactly the same brain connections for students that they're building when they're building their phonics knowledge. Sound and shape do not make reading on their own, but they are the tools that together make reading work. Having a look at shape and meaning, those two together make a lot of sense when you're talking about Japanese and Chinese and other um, writing systems that have started from a pictorial base where the shape of the letter has embedded in it a pictorial origin, which um, when you know about the story of that pictorial origin, it's easy to see the meaning in the particular shape of the letter. So Japanese and Chinese definitely has shape and meaning, and I'm sure there's other languages that do as well. You can suggest that there's shape meaning connected in English if you see the whole word as one single shape. So what do I do when I'm teaching reading in my language classroom? I rather like 
starting with the whole, with the whole sentence and keeping it in context. So I will show what the sentence looks like in its written form that we've been working on in an oral language format first. I got that idea from Di Snowball to not necessarily teach each letter individually and do lots of tests on those. I just th see that as inefficient and I think it's inefficient for the brain too. I think we're going to learn better if we've got one block of something that we've learned, like a sentence, and then we chop that up into its individual pieces. The other thing that I feel really passionate about is I don't believe that students are using a language unless they are able to compose it for themselves. So chopping up those sentences and phrases so that students have word blocks that they can rearrange into their own meanings. And at a reading level, you also want to be able to chop it down into letter blocks that students are able to rearrange and learn how to say new words, even if they're nonsense words for now. So here's a couple of the activities that I do. Firstly, read the book as a whole group. Point to each word as you read it and demonstrate reading with pointing so that students are connecting which word it is that you're saying with the shape of that word on the page. You can also do this by creating a video of it or um, using a screencastify and using your cursor to show which word you're reading at the time if you prefer to do it as a remote learning activity or as a self-paced learning or in individual groups or something. So whole book demonstration of reading. Do go back and have a look at the early years stuff about checking for pictures and context and making predictions and all of those sorts of things which are really worthwhile doing when you're doing whole group reading with a language book as well. After you've done two, three times with the whole group, I have enough books that students can have three or four people in each group and one book between them. Read the book in small groups. I ask the students first to do word by word pointing for the same page. So there will be one sentence on the page. The first student reads that sentence and points to each word, passes the book to the next student. They read the same page and point to the words as they go, pass to the next student, read the same page, round robin that at least once. Then they can do word by word pointing and read a new page each. After they've done that part, I ask them to do letter by letter pointing so that they're starting to see which letter makes which sound within the word. You can differentiate as you need to differentiate for your groups, but one letter at a time, pass the book to the next person, they do the same page, pass the book to the next person, they do the same page, go through the book that way. And then a letter point game. So open the book to any page and one student points to a letter, somebody else says it, and then that student points to the next letter and then passes it to the next student. So that I've sort of chopped it from a whole into really small bits and right down to that letter. So they're getting the sound shape connection with the letter and the meaning is already embedded because we've done it as an oral activity first. Okay, 
Here's another game which I find really fun. And it's amazing how this works as students helping each other to learn reading. Here's a different activity that the students find really fun. Standing in a circle, standing in a circle, not sitting, standing in a circle with the sentence cards in the middle. And I just stand in front of each sentence and read the sentence as I point to the words with my foot this time. Or jump next to the next words. That's a little bit more fun. Then I chop the sentence up into word cards and do the same thing with the word cards in order in the sentence, and then I do it out of order. It only takes a few seconds to do both of those steps. Then I invite students to count silently how many they can read and just show with their fingers how many they can read at the time. Then I invite some students to go and step next to a card and read it and then step back into the circle. Do that for four or five students. And by that stage, most students are getting at least one or two cards that they would be able to point to and read. Then I go around the circle and ask each student to step next to a card, read it, and return to the circle. Every single student has to do it. They ideally don't say the same word that the previous student did, but if they need to, then they can. I then repeat it and time it and repeat it and see if they can beat their time. It's really quite a fun and relatively quick game. A third idea for activities is chop the words into letters. Remember how I said I really like to see it start as a whole and then come down into the component blocks rather than teach component blocks by themselves. So I chop the words into their component letters and I rearrange those letters into a couple of words that I know actually make sense in the language and tell them the meanings of those words and see if they can work out how to say it in Japanese. You can then invite students to rearrange some letters and see if they can say those new letter combinations. It doesn't have to be words that make sense, but it's exciting when they do happen to come across a combination that does make sense. I hope that's really helped you a little bit and gave, given you a few ideas. So that was part one of three parts, the shape, sound and meaning that makes reading. Part two, the building blocks for reading developed by the Melbourne Archdiocese Catholic Schools Languages team. And in part three, the Victorian Curriculum Literacy and the Victorian Curriculum Languages. See you next time. Ciao, Thank you to Christopher Liberti for the lovely music. You can find his work on stockmusic.com. And have an amazing day.